Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. The artist of the day today, Steve, because it's one of the twins' birthday. The Thompson Twins, in the name of love, this one's called. I actually know this one because I'm an 80s nerd, but... Yeah, this does not sound familiar to me. All right, let's uh, let's get to our weekly SOS house call. Let's bring in Dr. Brad Raphael. Uh, he joins us now. And, uh, Doctor, always great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, yeah, we love having you on. Always an informative segment. Uh, let's start with this. What, uh, what determines whether or not a player needs stitches during a game. So let's say somebody gets banged up you know, in the course of competition. Uh, there's some blood involved. How do you decide, I guess, how to handle it and the severity of, of the injury? So um, there, that's a great question, and I wish I had a very simple answer for you. I'll try to – I could spend the next 20 minutes telling you about the, the pros and cons of getting stitches because it all depends on situational. But kind of the, the – whether it's a sporting event or, or not a sporting event, the cut – just day-to-day activity. Basically, the first thing is, is can we control the bleeding? Um, second thing is, is where is the cut? Um, oftentimes, if it's cut in the face, you have to take into consideration cosmetic uh, circumstances. You know, people are a little bit more tolerant to having a scar on their leg or on their back than they are on their face. So usually in the face, is, is when we get a little bit more aggressive with stitches. But the cut itself, you know, it's basically, you know, how deep is it and how big is it? So oftentimes you see people with just a, a bad road rash. You, you, you tear a whole chunk of skin off, but it ends up being so superficial that there's really nothing to sew back together. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a uh, consideration. Um, but uh, usually, you know, and, and, Here's the thing that, that we have to take into consideration, whether it's hockey or basketball or football, is do we have time to give stitches? Oftentimes, you know, when you're covering hockey, you, the players say, just put stair strip it and I'll, get, I'll, I'll take care of it at the end of the game. Or, you know, we don't have time to put stitches in, cover it up, and we can do it later. You do have some, 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 some leeway there. As long as you can control the bleeding, you can do stitches at the end of the game if needed. But usually it's, it's, it's blood control is, is the biggest factor. I asked this question about soccer, like what is that magic freeze spray that they spray on people? What what is what is glue that they use so, to help? So that's there's there's a couple different different um, products out there. One of the most common is it's you know really is like a skin glue, and it's a sticky substance that you put on and it's liquid, and then it dries almost immediately, and it really covers that wound up really nicely. Um, and basically it holds it together. The problem with using skin glue, it's a great product, but if you put it on in the middle of a game, that's it. You can't then put stitches on because you can't actually take it off very easily without really macerating the skin. So that's kind of a decision you have to make at the game time. If you decide you're not going to have stitches, but you do the Dermabond or the skin glue, whether it's at a game or in the emergency room or EMT, oftentimes that's a decision and you can't really do stitches after that. All right, now let's... I have to Google what macerating is. <laughs> you you yeah, do yeah. that. You do that yeah, while I ask you more questions. Uh, yeah, exactly. A skin, a, a skin scrape. How about that? Okay. A skin scrape, yes. 
He's, he's talking above both of our heads here, Paulie. Uh, let, let's go to the NFL here. And, uh, you know, Giants linebacker Aziz Ojolari returned uh, against the Vikings from an ankle injury that had plagued him uh, towards the tail end of the season. But then he suffered a quad injury uh, early in that game, and he's been limited in practice. Um, are, are those things related at all? Like if, if one thing isn't quite healed yet and, and maybe potentially compromised, does that lead – does it tend to lead to more injuries? And, you know, even though it's not, not the same injury, it, are these two things related? in your mind? It, um, that's a great question, and the, you know, the, the simple answer is yes. I, I, uh, most, most physicians would agree that any type of lower extremity <clears throat> injury kind of predisposes you unless you're fully healed to another lower extremity. And it can be on the other knee as well, because if you come back with an ankle injury and you're not 100%, you may be favoring that, put a little bit more stress on the other leg, and that could cause either a, an injury to the other leg. Conversely, if your ankle is not completely healed, um, it can give out again. And yeah, you may not re-injure that ankle, but it may hurt the knee or the hip or something like that. So that's always something we really have to take into consideration, not that single joint or body part, but that whole lower extremity, because it's really, we, we call it that, that lower chain. And whether from your foot to your ankle, to your knee, to your hip, it's all related. And in fact, whenever you have an injury, an ankle injury or a knee injury, you're not just doing physical therapy for those of you that are listening. You don't just do it on your knee or your ankle. You're doing it on your entire leg because it's all it's all um, intertwined and it's all related to each other. You know, we hear athletes sometimes labeled as he's injury prone. Um, are, I mean, do you buy into that from a medical perspective? Are there certain athletes who are just more prone to injuries or, you know, is there a a certain amount of uh, you know bad luck involved, or you know obviously how much that that athlete is is using certain muscles. I would assume that plays into it. But are are certain athletes injury prone over others? You know that that's a that's the million dollar the billion dollar question because if you ask any general manager or anyone who's drafting anybody or anything like that, they would love to know that answer. However, a lot of times it's bad luck. Um, a lot of times, you know, there could be some genetic de- uh, predisposition. So, you know, if you've got some connective tissue issue where you may be loose jointed, you may be a little bit slower to heal. And that there is genetic, you know, factors that involve that. That can all factor into your injury, not only your injury, but your your healing potential and how fast you can heal. But also, you also have to think about, you know, there's some guys that run, you could see on a football team, a, a, a safety who's going 110 miles per hour every time he, he hits, he may have a little bit more prone, quote, prone to injury only because he hits harder or he, you know, puts his body out there a little bit more. So there definitely is a little bit more um, predisposition and genetic factors. There also could be, you know, risk factors in the way that they play, their techniques. These are all factors, but a lot of times it's, it's just really bad luck. All right, staying in the NFL, uh, Eagles offensive lineman Lane Johnson, he's been playing through a, a torn abductor. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's something he said he's going to put off surgery because there's a you know a ten to to twelve week recovery time. What could you do as a team doctor to get him to be able to play through that injury? And I guess what is that injury? Um, and and how can you play through said injury? So that's you know that that's a tough one because it depends where the injury is. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, if he's talking about where more of a groin injury or could it be, you know, more of the, what we call a quote, sports hernia. And um, the problem is, is that there's no great magic fix for this, except 
rest or sometimes you have to reattach that muscle tendon that's injured. Having said that, there are some things we have and some tools we can use to help calm down the pain so that they can, quote, play through it. One is um, uh, anti-inflammatories, you know, control the pain. You know, that may allow them to play a little bit better. The issue is you have that balance where you don't want to control the pain where now he's maybe doing more harm. So, again, I, I can't, I, without having all the details, that's something we have to consider as a, as a physician. But having said that, a lot of times just by controlling the inflammation, that gets rid of the pain, allows them to play at a higher level. The other thing is is we can sometimes stimulate some healing with, um, uh, we call it orthobiologics or growth factors. Um, you may hear platelet-rich plasma, which is one thing we do in our office where we take blood from a patient and we spin it down in the office in a centrifuge and basically isolate certain growth factors or platelets that are in your blood, and we actually concentrate it and re-inject it into an area that, that is injured. And we've had some good success. Most of the time is in sports medicine, um, can kind of speed up the healing process. And I don't know if they've done that for him or, or if they've kind of just letting it heal on its own, but that is one thing we can do to help speed up the process. It's tough to immobilize your hip or your or your abdomen, but sometimes, you know, bracing if it's in the knee or the ankle. So there are some things we can do to help with some of these chronic injuries. But as far as, you know, if it needs surgery, you're just trying to control the pain, protect him with any kind of padding, this or the PRP, anti-inflammatories, that type of thing. All right. Uh, our last question, let's go to the, the Bills-Bengals game this weekend. The Bengals have been banged up along their offensive line. Uh, most recent injury up there, left tackle Jonah Williams suffered a dislocated kneecap. Uh, Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, says that he's week to week. To me, that sounds like a pretty serious injury, but let, let's say, and, and this isn't going to happen, but let's say they were to advance past the Bills and, and, mm-hmm. and, and go to the Super Bowl. A- any chance he would be able to play, in your estimation, with a dislocated kneecap? Could he recover in you know three weeks, whatever it is? So again, it depends on the severity. You know, every every kneecap, you know, we call it instability. So it could be anywhere from a contusion where the kneecap, where he gets hit hard and the kneecap kind of shifts out of place, shifts back, and it creates some swelling to the more severe where the kneecap dislocates and it stays out and it needs to actually be pushed back in where you can do more soft tissue damage. The things we worry about with kneecap injuries like that are a couple things. One is you got to control the swelling because because these injuries, if you've seen, you know, if any, if yourself or one of your kids or, or a relative, when they have a kneecap injury, it creates a significant amount of swelling. And that can take weeks and weeks for that swelling to go down. And if you can't bend your knee, you can't play football, even if you don't have any pain. Secondly, when the kneecap pops out of place, you can sometimes knock off a little piece of bone or cartilage that's floating in the knee. Sometimes that needs to be removed with surgery. I'm guessing if it's week to week, that didn't happen. But at the end of the day, you need to control the swelling. You got to get a strength back. You got to make sure that it's not going to happen again, because every time it happens, it causes more pain and swelling. So if it was just what we call a subluxation, where it kind of shifted a little bit and popped back into place, and we can control the swelling, you know, maybe two to three weeks. But if it's a true dislocation with a lot of swelling and some really soft tissue damage, I think it's it would be pretty impressive if he can come back in three to four weeks. All right. Uh, great information as always. Do you have something, Paul? Yeah, I once macerated my subluxation, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, that's pretty serious, so you may want to see someone for that. <laughs> Thank well, we know who to see now, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Dr. Brandt, thanks so much for coming on. We do appreciate it as always. Enjoy the rest of your week. 
My, my pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. That is our weekly SOS house call. And uh, with that, we will take a timeout. Full lines open for the next segment. Then we'll bring on Lucas Favalli at the top of the hour, the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, to talk some hockey with him. We're back after this. Well, yes. One quick programming note on the Crunch. Uh, they will be on the AM 1200 this week because the Giants playoff game. That is an important one. Yes. That is an important game. All right. Uh, back after this on ESPN Radio.